with time. Wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we are so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC, your downloadable commentary for the week, delivered the way we love it to be, completely free. And that's thanks to our sponsors this week, Gamefly, Bombfell, and Squarespace. Squarespace! They're bringing the show to you, the show... Of course, is all about games and their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, and also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata. That's spelled with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend slash co-host slash nemesis. The guy who's been here for 200 episodes now with me. How does he do it? Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello, Jeff. Do you know what I put together for this special 200th episode? Nothing? Every single introduction of you giving me that a silly little lead-in. The guy who, the one really? who, every single one, and I got about 10 episodes in, and then I stopped doing it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I was like, I'm going to do this. The thought that counts, I guess. I was on the road in San Diego this past weekend doing shows. I had some free time. I was getting it together. It took <laughs> way longer free time, than I thought. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, Samus Returns was on my 3DS. My family yeah. was with me. We were staying right on the beach. It, but anyway, I'm the it's guy who started to do the thing about the guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate the the thought. Um, man, 200 episodes. It's uh, it's it's pretty crazy. We're actually. No guest today. I thought as, as something special, I asked last week uh, what people would suggest we do as a special 200 episode. And actually a few people suggested, hey, just you guys, just the two of you like we did the very first episode. We always do the just Jeff and Christian episode uh, as the first episode of the year when we do our predictions and stuff. But uh, I thought it would be fun to do the 200th episode as just us, uh, get a little deeper on, to, on what we've been playing and what we've been thinking. Um, so here we are, just you and me, like we like we started. I can't promise that there won't be a guest partway through. Uh, I think I think Mark might make a call, and mm. you know I can't I can't control some of these things. But sure, yeah, sure. You know what are you gonna do? Here's a little trivia tidbit: when we started this show over 20 years ago, um, <laughs> no kids. Mm. You have lived. Really? You have lived. No, I have one kid. I have you one kid. Kids. Yeah, you, you had, had a kid? kid. Yeah, I had one kid. You had no kids. I only had one right. kid. You have moved four times. Four? Is that right? That doesn't seem right. Weren't you by? I can say old places. Weren't you by Nerd yeah. Melt when this started? Were we? I, think I mean, I was first by one. Maybe not. At one point, but that was definitely was living there when we were doing Weekend Confirmed, and I may have been still living there when we started this show. But yeah, so there, and then I moved. Uh, I moved from there to Wilshire and from Wilshire to the valley and the valley to here. So, yeah, that would be four At places. Least three, maybe four. I was sitting in my closet hunched <laughs> over a Zoom H4N, not on wow. a stand, propped up on shoeboxes for episodes like one through four. <laughs> wow. And now you're in a different closet somewhere else. Well, every home in Southern California is essentially a closet for most right. most people. So yes, I am still in a closet. 
Ah, man, that's crazy. Uh, it's, it's been a long time and it, it, it flies by, man. It's been, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun, uh, in this episode, I think. And I appreciate all of the kind comments. In fact, we got a really cool, I don't know if you saw this, Christian. Uh, we got a really cool thing from, uh, Stuart in Cheshire in the UK. He sent an email to us at dlcfeedback at gmail.com in, in a congratulations to our 200 episodes, he uh, got his Napoleon Total War armies to spell out the letters DLC. <laughs> so I thought that was a very apt tribute inside a video game. Uh, I thought that was really cool of him to do. That's awesome. Hopefully spelling that out, then it causes troops to fight a war on two fronts or to try to go into Russia in the winter. Um, yeah, then I think, not, not good ideas. No, not good ideas. But we shouldn't uh, we shouldn't go too far into the happy celebration mode without acknowledging the fact that um, man, it's another day where we wake up and it feels like the world is coming apart uh, because there was this horrible violence in Las Vegas late last night. Um, Christian and I both were texting and talking this morning about you know how hard it is to do a show that's about joy and excitement and fun, especially joy and excitement and fun about a hobby that involves having fun with fake guns and having fake violence virtually. Um, it's a hard thing. It's our job and it's what we're going to do today. We are going to have fun, but um, obviously our hearts are with the people affected and you know, even the people that aren't are affected directly, everybody, everybody is affected by something as heinous as this. It's it's a really psychically devastating event just to consider, just to think about what those people went through. Um, I mean, obviously, that doesn't hold a candle what really going through it was like. But still, it, it's a hard thing to rally and, and get excited about, you know, fake shooting in a video game. So hopefully you guys can bear with us a bit. Today, I don't know, Christian, if you wanted to say something more about that. I, I'm not the smartest guy. Uh, I don't know what the answer is to this problem, if we can say it's one problem. Um, but what we've been doing, i.e. potentially nothing or whatever we've been doing, isn't working. So uh, let's try something else. Let's, let's, try, let's try something else. And I can get into a longer conversation about... Uh, the Constitution and what it means and where it is and what's changed and what hasn't, whatever. But that's not the point of this, but something else. And then the only other point I want to make is I've seen some people talking about how horrible this is and, well, you know, it's business as usual because at least I can be a distraction or this can be a distraction. I'm going to still – here's this uh, me reacting to cats video because hopefully this is a distraction. Um, and we're going to talk about video games. We're going to do our 200th episode. But I, I, I don't want this to be a distraction. I don't want this show to distract you from the real problems in the real world. And if you're coming to this show to be distracted or to escape from problems, uh, sorry, Jeff, don't. <laughs> I didn't tell Jeff I was going to say it. Don't, don't, I, we all, I get it. You need a mental break from time to time, but let's not check out from the real problems in the real world. Let's find a way to do both and make, the way Jeff ends the show every week, make the show a better place. And I think, this show does that the way we talk about games and we talk about our hobbies and we talk about all of the issues surrounding them. But escaping or being distracted isn't going to make anything better. It's not going to prevent you or your loved ones from being murdered. It's not going to make sure that everybody gets the health care they deserve when when they need it. It's not going to make you or your neighbor more compassionate. Uh, so let's let's not get distracted and let's stay focused 
and then let's figure out how gaming and all of this can play in to making the world a better place. Yeah, and I think to underscore that, you know, this is our 200th episode, so we're going to indulge a little bit to talk about the state of the show a little bit at the beginning of this, of this episode, which is what we're doing now. And there was a lot, you know, before this whole tragedy happened last night, there was a whole week uh, that we spent fielding emails and tweets and and feedback from a lot of listeners that got upset about us bringing up healthcare at the beginning of last week's episode. Just as I predicted we would. We got nasty iTunes reviews. We got emails saying, well, I'm never listening to your show again. We got tweets, people saying, that's it, I'm done. Everybody upset that we spent, what, I think less than a full minute of a two-hour show talking uh, passionately about a, a topic that we cared about in another part of our lives that I think everybody deserves to consider and think about. And my position is twofold. One, I think you can handle, you know, a couple of minutes out of a two hour long show about video games, not talking about video games. It's not going to kill you. You also have a fast forward button on your player. So if it really is bothering you, you can do that. But most of the show, we're just talking about video games and it's really not that big of a ask to make you sit through a couple of minutes. And secondly, I want, like Christian was saying, we both want this show to be about coming together and being a community more than anything else, being a community of people that love this hobby. And if you can't handle considering anything else, if you think just talking about video games is all you want, you're not really part of our community. And as much as we put this show out to have as big an audience as we can and talk to as many people as we can, if you can't handle a couple of minutes of talking about quote-unquote politics, then maybe you're not part of our community. And maybe you just you can go and find another show, and that's fine. I think we both are agree that a smaller, better audience might be better for everybody. Uh, we want to cultivate a, a, a community of people that – care about the world and care about video games in equal measure. And we can spend a, just a couple of minutes sometimes addressing the things that we're passionate about in other areas. Just like at the end of the show, we give you a parting gift that isn't part of the video game world. Sometimes at the beginning of the show, we're going to give you a greeting gift that is uh, maybe about how we can all make the world a better place. So that's what I wanted to say about that. Like I said, we're going to do probably you know about two hours now about video games and not talk about that again. But the world is a big, complicated place, and just ignoring it and talking about video games to our community, to the community of people that we are talking to, is not going to be acceptable for either of us. Think, so if uh, that's not acceptable for you, then maybe this isn't the show for you. Yeah. Uh, Justin McElroy on Twitter. Or Travis, sorry. Oh, too many McElroys. That's, yeah. <laughs> uh, Travis had a great uh, tweet earlier this morning. And he, it was about him, but I, I like it. And I think it applies to a lot of things. I'll stay out of politics. I'll stay out of politics when comedy makes me impervious to bullets, not have to pay taxes, not need insurance, and not worry about others. It's like yeah. we're in this, we're in this together. And I think we've shown we are open to your feedback. We, I, it, I love respectful conversations, and we've tweaked things about the show, and we will continue to tweak things about the show. And hopefully, you know that you can come to us for our unfiltered and honest 
opinions, which is why I think Taco Bell provides the best value for food for gamers. With Taco Bell by your side, you oh, can Oh, stop play- it, Christian. We have actual <laughs> sponsors you could do that joke with. You could have done that actually with – But then it would have been a joke. Then it would have been a joke mm-hmm. and not something that, you know, I don't eat ever. <laughs> I don't think I've eaten Taco Bell in probably 15 years. <laughs> really? I genuinely still love a good Mexican pizza every now and again. No beef. So do I, but I, I, I genuinely love a good one. <laughs> <laughs> There's no such a thing. You know that that's not a real item, a Mexican pizza. That's not something. No, no. I was just in San Diego, and trust me, if there's okay. one place that knows what Mexicans eat, it's places in America. I think I don't. I think that okay. Whatever. <laughs> we'll agree to disagree on that one. <laughs> Anyway, uh, all right, let's get to the show. We got a lot to talk about. It's going to be a fun episode, I think. I have so many games. Uh, you know, Christian, before we even get into it, we're looking at the end of the year and having to make our top five games of the year list. We, we since the beginning of this, this show, every year, we have tasked ourselves with not making a top 10 list. No, no, no. That would be too easy. Making a top five games of the year list. Because that means we have to make real choices, right? I don't know if there's ever been a year as hard as 2017 is going to be for me to compile a top five games of the year a list. I could make a top five games of September list that... It would be like games of the year, but just games that came out in September. And we're going to talk about a lot of them in the, in the playlist segment. But this is insanity how good gaming is this year. It's just off the charts. Yeah, but it's, I mean, I'm just glad that no more big games are coming out until the end of the year. <laughs> right, so right. I have time to digest, finish up my backlog, really spend some more time with some games. I haven't put enough time in. So yeah, yeah. No, really- nothing, at least there aren't any big, long, involved games. <laughs> Like every game is now. I mean, I'm just glad there's not a big Mario game coming because I think that would totally mess up my list. And uh, I'm just glad it got delayed till 2024. (laughs) All right, let's get into Story of the Week and start the show. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. And you can always submit stories and discuss stories and discuss the show over on our subreddit, which is 5x5dlc.reddit.com. Really cool folks. They're talking about a community. Great community over at the subreddit. I hope you join it. Christian, I'm going to let you pick first. What is your story of the week? Whoa! Oh, hold on. I got to sit in this for a little bit. Feels good. Mm. Mm-hmm. Suck it, bro. guess. Yeah. Oh, man. This feels so good. What a great well, – I mean uh, – mm. so there's something I definitely want to talk about, but we have time, so we'll get to it. I'll, I'll pull a Jeff and do two later. Um, but the biggest story of the week, we talked about it last week, how it was coming out on Thursday. I think it was Thursday. Whenever it came out. Red Dead 2. We got the trailer, baby. We got a real well- – what? We last week we didn't know what was coming. We got we knew we knew that something was happening on Thursday. There was going to be this big announcement. And yes, it was this trailer. Is is it just being a trailer was that a little disappointing? No, cuz we already knew the release date was pushed. I, I I know what Rockstar, I mean, we have pretty good expectations for how Rockstar teases and releases games. So I feel like this was actually pretty substantial more so than what they could have done. This is the first time we saw actual gameplay. 
character models kind of up close and in that world before we had just kind of seen these vistas. We got some locations tipped off. Uh, I don't want to, well, maybe we can talk about, there's some Red Dead 1 spoilers in what I'm about to say. And some of this discussion there will be. So if you haven't finished Red Dead 1, just know that there's some potential spoilers. That game is very old. Um, but we got, it looks like we got a pretty good idea of when this game takes place. Prequel. The, you just, yep, that's it. The cast of characters that are going to be involved. Um, and you might even get to see Mr. John Marston again. We didn't see him in this trailer, but the way the timeline works out and how old, um, oh gosh, what's his name? Um, um, Arthur Morgan. Yeah. If you compare his age in this trailer to how he looked in Red Dead 1, um, and his, gang of bandits it looks like you might get to see john show up somewhere in here i think it's very exciting as a fan of the series i think it's i think it's very exciting i wish it wasn't called red dead 2 i wish they had come up with a different title if it's going to be a prequel but that's a minor quibble i guess um can we talk about how good the facial animation looks i mean this looks like naughty dog level facial animation it looks really like a big step up for uh rockstar's engine and it's uh man it looks really beautiful all the way around this is going to be a massive game it the oh yeah i was wrong sorry arthur is the guy it looks like you play with dutch is the guy from red dead one that ends up killing himself as you track him down and you're morgan who is it looks like the enforcer he looks like a bruiser which i thought was interesting too because i I, they've certainly had characters before that weren't um walking a moral gray area but from this trailer it looks like uh, you bad. <laughs> like, yeah, you man. You feel bad. I, that's honestly, <laughs> I know it's a weird week to be talking about this and, uh, you know, I'm going to probably get some hate mail just from this opinion alone, but enough Rockstar with the anti-heroes. Can we maybe like create a game where you're a good guy? I don't know. Uh, I, I'm just, it's so, it's so, all of their characters are so morally corrupt it just becomes fatiguing at a certain point because of the way the world is right now. I just want to play a hero in their universe. I want I want their level of quality and production and not to just be a despicable SOB. I but, understand that, but that's kind of like, couldn't we have an Uncharted game with a guy who's not, or, you know, a character that's not quipping and climbing? Like, that's what they make, right? Like, that's kind of, that's, that's what guess. they do. I guess, but it's, these games are so, they have such a massive cultural footprint and I think they influence, I don't know, I don't want to get off on a philosophical stint here because it, you know, who needs that, I guess, but it does feel like putting this level of nihilism into the culture at such a huge, in such a huge way is unproductive. In a lot of, in a large sense, and it it kind of bothers me at this point. I don't know if that's me getting old and being a dad now, um, but uh, their games are amazing, and I genuinely love their games. The first one is so good. I just, it'd be great to be able to play a guy that actually has some ethical conviction. <laughs> you know what that game would be? You'd be on your farm, and Dutch's gang would show up, and he'd be like, "Join our gang, or we're killing you all." And you'd be like, "Mr. Dutch, I can't. Got a family here." <laughs> Credits. Yeah, I guess. When your family are killed, you have your moral high ground. The credits roll, and Dutch goes and finds someone else to recruit. <laughs> I guess. I guess. Uh, anyway, I, I am genuinely excited about this. I'm very glad it's not coming. 
this year. I mean, there were some people speculating that we might get this weird Beyonce drop style announcement where it's like, we fooled you. It's coming this year after all. Glad that didn't happen because there's just too much to play <laughs> right now. Uh, so spring, I think, will probably be a much better time to dig into a game as big as this one is going to be. But, man, the trailer does look real good, and it was a big deal. So Yeah. Swamps. Ah, it's good. It looks good. Swamps. (laughs) Potential overlap with Mafia 3 in terms of the map, in terms of the areas. If you believe the the NeoGAF leak from whatever it was, 2016, 2015. Um, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. I understand, like, it's hard to pull yourself away from where you are in the world with what a game is like Rainbow Six Siege. I never got into that game. I heard it was great. Couldn't play it because of when it came out. So I, I understand your reservations about it. Uh, I'm I'm very excited, and I'm just. I also hope that there's a game that finally starts out selling GTA Five. <laughs> right, Red Dead will be the game. Yeah, yeah. If anyone can do it, it's themselves. Yeah. Uh, well, speaking of games that um, can exist and and be <laughs> nonviolent and sunny and my little happy world vision of what a game can be, uh, the thing that I've been wanting forever, Christian, I've been talking about since. Well over 200 episodes ago, back in the weekend confirmed days, I used to talk about Assassin's Creed and I would say, oh man, I love the milieu. I love the idea of traveling back in time and seeing these impeccably recreated visions of a time period with so much detail and historical accuracy. Man, wouldn't it be great to just wander around and not have to worry about being hunted by soldiers and concealing my identity and assassinating people if i could just like wander around with the historical characters you know like leonardo da vinci and just wander through the streets of italy oh wouldn't that be cool that's what i want from a an assassin's creed they're doing it they're doing it we found out this week that assassin's creed origins which is the one that's coming out this year set in ancient egypt will have a mode it won't have it at launch but it will be a free update coming in early 2018 it will be called discovery tour and it will be a completely non-violent non-killing non-game mode where you're wandering around through the entire open world of egypt that they recreated and you actually will be able to access Real life experts giving you guided tours that will actually teach you about some of these locations, teach you about what life was like back then. You'll see NPCs going about their days and all of that has been uh, been brought into the game in a way that is real enough that they feel like it can be a learning tool. I could not be more excited about this. I think this is this is what I've been yearning for for years and I'm so glad that they're bringing this into the game. It may not be a big t- deal for – a lot of people, but for me, it is. Hello, students. My name is, you can call me Mr. Christian. I'm your substitute today. Um, Hi, Mr. Christian. Hey, uh, the lesson plan today. Look, we all have your Xbox One X in front of you. We're going to be playing some. If I see any of you going into the killing mode, <laughs> but we're going to be exploring. Your teacher has this worksheet left for you. Uh, fill it out. If you have any questions, I don't care because I'm just a sub. Let's just get through the day. Okay, guys? I think this is cool, dude. I, I would love that vision of the of, of learning. Yeah. Let me wander around. The only way this would be better, honestly, is if they did it in VR. <laughs> if you could actually be there and wander around in VR, come on. That would be and incredible. As you unlocked uh, information, you got uh, actual tabletop games mailed to you? 
Well, and I mean, when you no, played those get... tabletop games, you got a brand new Prince album. Like, I mean, if it could get uh, better, let's make it better, right? Yeah, and then ribs. <laughs> I, I think this is cool. I'm I, I'm glad they're including it. I'm I don't think I'll spend much time with it, which is my fault. It's a, it's just thinking about me and how I play a game and my desire to constantly be checking things off and like feeling like I'm quote unquote accomplishing stuff. We've talked about it on this show before, which is not something I'm proud of, but it's this idea of like. Yeah, I've played for two hours, but what did I do? Well, I had fun. Shut up, me. But I feel like I can't. Like, if I was going to learn, I would pull up Ken Burns' Egypt, which doesn't exist. But you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know how much time I'd spend in this world. Do you think this is something that you'll deep dive into, or are you just glad it exists? I'm glad it exists. I would like to uh, I would like to try it. I'd like to see if it's it's compelling and interesting. I, I think the amount of effort they put into creating these worlds in a realistic way i think mostly goes to waste and i like the idea that it's not here i mean this is really something that could open people's minds i mean if you if you capture even just one kid that is like oh that why are they doing that over there you know why are they mining food in that particular way or you know why does the aqueduct work like that or why did you know how the heck did they even make these pyramids and then they just switch over to this mode and hear something that sparks their imagination and gets them more curious about the world of history instead of just wanting to assassinate people in it i i think that's a positive and it's something that would get me excited i mean not not to take away what is likely going to be a game a lot of people enjoy but this is not taking away anything. This is just adding a new way to to experience that universe. I think that's awesome. This is snarky, but it did actually make me chuckle silently to myself here uh, in the chat. Davin says, quote, Huh, apparently people only walked back and forth between two houses in ancient Egypt or just swept a single spot of sand for nine hours straight. Fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've evolved a lot since NPC days. Uh, everybody was an NPC back then, but we're all NPCs. <laughs> How were the pyramids built? Well, this one guy just went back and forth for <laughs> nonstop. Uh, no, I think this is going to be really cool. I'm glad that it's a free update, too. I think that's the way to do it. And uh, I'm excited. And I'm glad it's also not this year. <laughs> Even though the yeah. game is this year, I'm glad this this mode is hopefully substantial and I can dive in when I'm not trying to finish the main game. What else did you want to bring up as far as a uh, story of the week, Christian? I wanted to talk about Forza 7, which I haven't played, but Ars Technica had an article about Forza 7's loot boxes or what they call them. Oh, gosh, what do they call them? They call them something else uh, silly. I think I put it in here. Trunk. Loot trunks. Loot boots. A loot boot. It should be a loot boot. They're called prize box. They're called – oh, prize crates is what they call them. Prize crate. And so what's interesting about this version of the of the loot box is one of the things that you can unlock are mods and not mods for your car. It's mods for the, the type of race, a night race, wet weather, um, no drive line, traction control turned off, things like that. And so when you get one of these mods and you apply it, you'll then get extra XP awarded to you for racing in that mode. And now something like that has existed in most racing games for a while. And in Forza, I think since Forza 1, I could be wrong, maybe it came later in the series. But how it used to be in the game is just difficulty. So before you started a race, you could pick uh, if you wanted the assists on, what type of thing you wanted. And as you made it quote-unquote harder, turned assists off and race at night or whatever, you would get extra XP for completing the race in that mode. So it's kind of 
this delicate balance of well you might not get first you know if you're not as great of uh at racing games but you still actually might come away with more xp because you turned the driving line off traction control all of that stuff and so it's just a difficulty selection that would reward you based on playing it more difficult now with their inclusion of the loot boxes the only way you get that xp boost is by using one of these mods that you unlock using your xp they call it cr And so you get these credits to then unlock to get a mod to then get more credits. And you can pay more money. You can pay real, uh, not at launch, but they've confirmed that later you'll be able to use real money to buy loot boxes to get credits that increase your chance of getting more credits because you're racing in a way. And it seems like we've talked about Shadow of War and how, you know, loot boxes, they're never going away, right? Blame Overwatch, whatever game you want. But this idea of, of Forza taking what used to be I think part of the game, when I thought about Forza, that's just how, you know, difficulty slider, and you get rewarded for playing it more in, in a more difficult setting, and adding this to be a loot box that now is purchasable with real-world money, and that's the only way you get these boosts, I feel like it's just one more step down the slippery slope of uh, free-to-play, whatever you want to call it. It makes me sad. It makes me sad. I understand where you're coming from. I, I feel like this is a weird thing to carve off of the main game and turn into a perk. I think a lot of games that do loot boxes or prize crates or loot boots or whatever you want to call them, uh, they they come up with new stuff. You know, like uh, Injustice 2, for example. You have a fighting game and they're like, what what new stuff can we spin off into these crates? It's like, oh, well, let's add this never-before-seen uh item and costuming thing like we, we don't usually we haven't had that before so let's let's build that add that onto the game and make it this prize that you can win and open and it adds a new aspect to what you're doing but going the opposite direction and taking something that's always been in the game and carving that out and sequestering that inside uh luggage joy what what, what, are, what should we call them um container of of surprise um, I think that is such a bizarre choice and one that feels reductive and it does feel, um, like you're being punished as a gamer instead of, instead of getting something cool, you're like, oh, I'm just unlocking things that were part of the game already that I expected to be part of the game already. So the reason people get upset about anything being behind a locked gate, you know, like, oh, why do I have to play the game to get all the cars that were in the box? This doesn't, it doesn't feel additive. It feels like they're taking something away. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and to be fair, you can, you earn CR through racing. You don't have to spend real money on it to get things, to get these mods. And you can still change the, you know, quote unquote difficulty. You can still turn off the driving line and race that way. You just don't get the XP boost that you used to get from it. Um, it might have been a couple of weeks ago I did an ALTMM just talking about the idea of, and I couldn't think of an example and I had a few emails come in and we kind of racked our brains together. Um, when adding real-world monetization, like microtransactions for Loot Crate or car, un- like unlock all the cars, bypass the grind, and for $5, you get every car up front. I don't know how, from a game design standpoint, you can argue that makes the game better. When you put an unlock that I can use real money for, how that any way, shape, or form makes the actual gameplay experience or game that you designed better and i still can't think of a, of a way that that's true well the only thing that i think that these um 
these these crates bring to the game is the joy of opening a crate, <laughs> which I think is a weirdly palpable thing. It's a it's it is joyous to break open a pinata and find out what ha- happens inside. It's pulling the lever at the casino and seeing if you won. That is a compelling in in the idea of a compulsion. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, like our lizard brain. Like no, there's data, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean that's it's provable that we get this weird joy out of that. So maybe that's a. a, a an explanation is, hey, we're giving them the joy of of uh, unlocking these as part of a you know surprise. I don't know. Yeah, so I wanted to bring that up. I you know I love the Forza games and I love what the team has done with the racing and stuff. But when I read that in Lars Technica, it just it just it made me sad. Yeah. Um, good news though, if you are a PlayStation VR not yet owner, but you have an HDR TV, PlayStation VR is getting HDR pass through finally. Sony announced uh, this morning that What's they are getting it. Yeah, new version. <laughs> right. <laughs> you have to buy a new one. <laughs> uh, there's going to be a new version of PlayStation VR with some minor improvements, uh, including a new breakout box that supports HDR pass through on your PlayStation 4 Pro. Of course, you need the Pro, you need an HDR TV, Wait, and you, you need, need this the, new. Do you need the Pro? Because standard PS4 does HDR. Oh, is that so? Mm hmm. There's a firmware um, thing for just HDR. You don't get 4K, but you can get HDR. Oh, you're right. It says HDR compatible features on PS4 or PS4 Pro. Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, there you go. Either way, you do need to get a new PSVR. These are incompatible breakout boxes, so it's not like you could just buy the new breakout box and swap it into your existing PSVR. So that's annoying. Uh, evidently, the box is going to get a slight change, but it might be hard to even identify which one has this new feature. But it is cool, I think, that they are iterating on the PSVR hardware and, you know, improving these minor things. There's also a couple of new cords, and uh, they're slimmer and easier to use, and the audio jack thing is more integrated. So they're making minor improvements, which I guess is a good thing. But this isn't a full PSVR revision to the hardware. Yeah, I... I'm glad they're making this revision. I'm glad that they're iterating on the hardware. It's not, you know, put out to pasture 100% or whatever. They're showing a commitment to the platform that you and I both really enjoy. Um, it makes me sad that I can't, cause I would, I would, I don't know what I'd pay, 50 bucks, 30 bucks, whatever for that breakout box that does HDR pass through. So it, it makes me sad that I can't do that. But at the same time, I was fully aware that my PSVR couldn't do that when I bought it. And I still thought it was worth buying, you know, so like, right. I can't say that I regret my purchase, but I, I do wish that there was some way for me to get that nice new feature also, because that'd make life easier. <laughs> you know what I regret? Not buying an HDR compatible television. Ugh, not a day goes by. Not a day goes by, Christian. Why? How many day goes go by you? Oh, uh, I, I can say that. I'm Italian. So am I. Can I. Say that. Okay. We can say that, but you can't say that. <laughs> Um, what you need to do <laughs> is just tweet at a company like you did for your two TVs ago to get a free one. I didn't do that. That <laughs> happened. I didn't do that. That happened uh, to me. I didn't. I didn't initiate that. That happened um, despite me being an idiot. That was just something that happened. But yes, if you're listening and you're a TV company and you <laughs> want to send me an HD compatible television. I will gladly accept it. (laughs) Hey, that brings us to our sponsor. Um, Hey, if you want me to talk about your HDTV, I I could make... HDR, not HD. You already have one of those. 
Yeah, HDR, HDR compatible, eighty inches or, or bigger. <laughs> <laughs> I have some, I have some requirements. Uh, the thing I would do though is I would make a website about it. I would make a website and I would use Squarespace because Squarespace is the best way to make a website. Anything you want to do, your next. Your next move, anything that you think you might need, you're likely going to need a website to make it happen. You're going to want to put yourself online. You're going to want to put a portfolio or a business, anything to showcase your work, blog or publish content, sell products, anything you might need to do, Squarespace has your back. It's the easiest way to make a website. You start with a beautiful template and then you make it your own. You've got powerful e-commerce functionality, easy drag and drop, just Build a storefront. It's so simple. And then it's easy to customize the look and feel because you just click. <laughs> there's no there's no programming skill required. It's just what you see is what you get clicking. You got built-in SEO, search engine optimization. You got free and secure hosting. There's nothing to patch or upgrade ever. People who waste their time patching and upgrading their website software. Ugh, what a nightmare. Squarespace does it all for you. Plus, they've got 24-7 award-winning customer support. So make it. Make it yourself. Create the website yourself. It's easy. It's actually fun. JeffCanada.com was made on Squarespace. Is housed on Squarespace. I love it. So if you're ready to start your own business or have a dream, anything that needs an online component, Make it happen with Squarespace. We're going to help you out. We're going to give you 10% off just by using our promo code, which is Jeff sent me, J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E, all one word. When you go to squarespace.com, you can build your website without even putting in a credit card. But once you're ready to check out, be sure to use that promo code Jeff sent me to get yourself 10% off and make your website look and perform beautifully. There have been so many incredible games released. We're not even in – we just started October. We haven't gotten to November. November historically like the big video game you know, pre-holiday release month. And there are big games coming out in October. There are big games coming out in November. September has at least five games that I could put on a best of the year list right now. And I'm going to be talking about a lot of them. But I'm going to let you start, Christian, because uh, you've got – some awesome games on your playlist as well. But I want to hear about that uh, SNES Classic, man. You got your hands on one, right? Oh, you're killing me, Smalls. Yes, but no. So yes. What do you mean no? I, got, I have one. I have spent zero time with it because it showed up Thursday, and I was uh, doing shows in San Diego. I did a USO show, and then I was uh, on the shows where Ryan Sickler was recording his upcoming album, which is going to be... So good, you guys. If you listen to Crap BC, you know Ryan. This album's going to be awesome. Uh, I was with him all weekend doing shows in San Diego, and then I got up here, took my daughter to preschool, and started doing this show. So, yes, it, oh, I'm very excited. Impressions? None hands-on, dude. Ah, oh, man. I know. I know. Wrong time. Well, I guess next week we'll be talking about the SNES Classic. Yeah. You but... had an opportunity to maybe get one, but you passed. I think I'm getting one from a listener of the show, actually. Okay, so okay. I think, I think I might have one by next week. Um, That'll be good. We can both talk about it next week, then. We can spend yeah. some time with it. But what have you been spending time with, then? 
So because I was on on the road, one thing I dove into, I saw it came out, and it's on console as well. I've talked about it on the show before. I love Zen Pinball, Pinball FX, whatever it's called on your console of choice, and they released uh, Pinball 3 uh, on console. It's the latest edition. If you have it and you've had 2 or the old one, you can carry a lot of those tables forward into the new one, and they all get graphical upgrades, and it's all free you can import your old tables into the new one. I think there's like four tables that maybe don't carry over, but everything else seems to carry over. Um, and on iOS, it's still within the same app. They updated the app and they released three new tables, universal classics. There's an ET table, a jaws table and a back to the future table. And holy crap. These tables are awesome. I love this game so much. And these new pinball, these new tables are so good. This is what you can expect from DLC and no other video game podcast. Uh, we, we set up a segment by talking about how these huge releases are hitting nonstop. And then we segue right in. We lead off with that sweet Zen pinball, baby. Yes. I, I hope that you get angry emails from the fine people at Zen. Uh, <laughs> this, it's incredible. And this game has been supported for a long time. It even has a VR version of the game. Mr. Oh, I forgot your bumper. This is where Jeff becomes a cynical swear word. Um, <laughs> they're great. They're all different. Back to the Future, as a table starts, you get to choose Back to the Future 1, 2, or 3, how you want it to play. Jaws is a much more wide-open table than they've come out with in a while where there's a lot no, of... I get it because his mouth. Uh, that's funny. That's not why, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> like wide open play space, which makes for, you know, targeting shots. I, I think more skill based than before. You kind of always got something, even if it wasn't what you wanted to aim for. And, uh, the ET table, they're just, they're so good. It combines everything I love about pinball, like pretty accurate physics and, and weight and skill with things that can only happen in a virtual version of the game as the DeLorean flies in for the Back to the Future 2 table and you unlock cool, um, you know, instead of just having like in the LCD display panel in front of you or whatever, like ding, 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 that characters are on the table and they're walking around and you're hitting Doc with the ball and he's reacting with voiceover. They're great. I don't need to spend forever on it because you apparently hate pinball and hate fun, but they are phenomenal. And you can play this on pretty much any platform and I can't recommend them enough. Actually, it does sound cool. I, I was being silly, but yes, you're right. It does sound very cool. Um, we'll ping back and forth. I want to talk about Battle Chasers Night Wars. This is a game that is making a big, big uh, play for my top five games of the year list, which is already jam-packed and full of games. But I So the embargo went up today. It comes out tomorrow, the game on Tuesday, October 3rd, it comes out. Uh, but I've had it for a while now. I've put well over 10 hours into Battle Chasers Night Wars. It's a game I was very much excited for. I saw it at E3. It, it is so up my alley. It's turn-based, sort of an old-school Japanese-style role-playing game version, but but done in a very Western way. You are a group of adventurers that crash land in a strange area, and you have to start you know solving quests and getting better gear and leveling up and doing all the things you do in role-playing games. Uh, the art is phenomenal. I think it's Joe Madera is the artist that did all this. You know him from comic books. Uh, and the style is incredibly cool comic book style. 
there is one character that you acquire into your group late in the game or later in the game. Uh, that is, you know, just boobs hanging out, ridiculousness. Like she's a she's a rogue, but why would you ever wear that to fight? And, and she like disproportionate weirdness that jiggle. So there's a little of that. Like you wouldn't want your wife walking in when you're playing that character, which is annoying. And I wish didn't have to deal with that. But overall, visually very very cool. The game plays on sort of three levels of uh, scale. So. You start at the the uppermost level, which is this over map that looks like a sort of hand-sketched map that you would unfold on a table in olden times. And you move from node to node on that seamlessly with your little group of characters. And uh, you, you can get to new areas that way, or you can encounter enemies along the route that you have to fight. And those enemies aren't random encounters like old Japanese-style role-playing games. They are visible on the on the map so you can avoid them should you choose but they are little nodes that you would bump into and then it like sucks you into the combat screen right just like those old games used to play so that's the the most macro level of scale and then you go down one level into the environments themselves so there are exploration environments where you're wandering around opening up chests and barrels and interacting with characters and solving little traps and puzzles and those are really cool. They look, they're top down, very painterly, very vibrant, beautiful, beautiful looking. And there's a lot of fun interaction that happens on that level as well. There are little puzzles, flip, uh, switches to flip and, and levers to find and, you know, um, floor buttons and stuff to depress and figure out how ways to get through. But there's also really clever, Story-based interactions. One I'll I'll mention. I guess this is a spoiler, but it's for a minor side quest that you could probably not even ever experience. And I just happened to. There is a um, there are sewers that you can go into repeatedly and clear them out. And uh, at one point, I met a little mouse. You, you read this guy. You find a skeleton, and he has like a journal sitting next to him. And he talks about how he was a, an alchemist experimenting with some potions, and his assistant Max. Uh, drank one of them and some bad things happened. And then later on, you, you're wandering around, you find the mouse and you find out that the mouse is Max. And he's like, Hey, could you help me out? I know that there's a, there's an antidote potion somewhere here in the sewers. We just have to find it. Could you help me out? So you go, okay, I can help you out. So he literally jo- jumps in your pocket and that, and it gives you this indicator. Like you have a new item in your inventory and that item is Max. And it's like, Oh, that's so cool. The way to do that is like giving him as, to you as an inventory item. So you're wandering around with Max and you finally find this little laboratory that's tucked away in the sewers and you find the, the, uh, <laughs> the, um, potion that will help him. And he's like, Oh my gosh, please, please, can you please pour it into my mouth? And you get the option, you know, do that or not do that. And of course I want to help Max. So I pour it into his mouth and he <laughs> explodes and dies leaving you with a ring that he evidently had swallowed at some point. So, like, it it turns out in a completely unexpected way. Like, you accidentally kill him, and it's like you take a moment and say a little silent eulogy for Max, you know. Poor Max, he, he drank the wrong potion, but he told you which potion to drink, but it gives you this cool item. So there's a lot of that fun kind of... And there's a lot of that in the game. There's a, There are all kinds of weird, silly things that you encounter or... There's another time when you're talking to a character and he's telling you this long story 
and then he stops and he asks you a detail from the story earlier on a few pages of text ago just to see if you were paying attention or if you were just clicking through. And if you get that right, he gives you something cool. But if you get it wrong, he just finishes his story and you don't get something cool. So the game designers are like, hey, just want to make sure you're paying attention and not just, you know, skimming through this stuff. I just really appreciate those kinds of little touches. So anyway, that's that level of scale, wandering through these these dungeons or areas of exploration. And then you get to the most micro level of scale, which is the combat, which is a 2D uh, presentation of turn-based combat, which is super deep. And they do some really clever, interesting innovations on that style of Japanese role-playing game where you select your, your attack or your special attack or whatever you want to do, and then you take turns doing it. So there's uh, an initiative track that shows you who's going to fight in which order on the left-hand side. And you start out with two different kinds of abilities, your regular abilities and your special abilities. Your regular abilities you can do anytime. There's usually at least one defensive one and one attack that you start out with. As you level up, you'll gain more of them. But they usually also give you extra mana, bonus mana that you have. And the way this game works is your health and your mana are a resource that don't refill over time. You can use potions to refill them or you can take a rest and sleep and you'll refill them. But you have a finite amount of those things that you'll use throughout the entire dungeon experience. When you Once you go into a dungeon, that's the amount that you'll get. So getting bonus mana on attacks really helps. But all of that bonus mana disappears at the end of each individual fight. So you're really incentivized to use it. And all your special attacks use that bonus mana before they use your regular mana. So you can build up and use these attacks to build up your bonus pool of mana and then use that in big ways with your special attacks. You're also generating a bonus meter just from attacking and defending. All your characters contribute to it. And then you can select a character to use this giant bonus that has various levels that is kind of like a summons would be in a Final Fantasy. It's a gigantic attack that does really big things. But the game does really cool stuff with utilizing that mana and health as a resource because you'll find ways to augment your characters to uh, get health back on attacks or... Uh, get mana in, in different ways. And so you're constantly making interesting decisions to manage those two resources and utilize them in really, really fun ways. I found the combat in this game to be completely addictive and awesome. The leveling up mechanics are fun. You have these perks that are a pool of points that you can spend in various ways. So there's some that cost eight, some that cost six, some that cost four, and some that cost two. So if you've got 10 points... You can get two level fours and a level two or one level eight and a level two or a level six and a level four. So there's, you know, you're mixing and matching your talents however you want. But when you spend them, it's not one time use. You can reallocate those at any time you want. So you're constantly like rejiggering your your uh, talent pool to make room for new talents because you got extra points when you leveled up. It's Awesome. I love Battle Chasers Night War. I think this game is a high mark for turn-based role-playing games. There's so much fun stuff going on. The combat is super addictive, and the game world is fun to be in. Hmm. I don't know how you have 
time for anything when there's divinity and this and you're still putting in some destiny time like this sounds all consuming and i got another game that's all consuming i'm going to talk about after you talk about a game we'll, we'll go back and forth but i got another game that i'm even more high on it's crazy I'll, I'll i'll save the one that has not impressed me the most for last and i will talk about the one that is uh it's 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 it, maybe at number six right now i've spent enough time with it but it's it's in the top 10 and i've only spent a couple of hours with it so far golf story on switch is awesome it was just announced what like earlier or i guess now it's october like the beginning of september in their eShop nintendo direct and it was like oh this looks like the classic camelot mario golf game oh boy is it i love those mario golf games i thought the mario golf on the 3ds while the courses the links or whatever were were fun and and you know all the mechanics of the game were fun it lacked that depth of the RPG that it had on the Game Boy Advance and Golf Story it's on this eShop on the Switch has all of that stuff it's totally that RPG golf game with a silly sense of humor with some rock solid you know 16 or yeah probably 16 bit maybe 32 bit pixel art you know that classic golf mechanic you know and love you hit a button to start the power uh, hit it again to stop it at the right power point and then stop it again in, in your little accuracy window and the type of club you're using and where you are on a course, like if you're in the rough or on the fairway or in sand, uh, changes how much grace you have for the uh, accuracy window on your swing. You get to change your clubs, put spin on it, like all of that traditional let's golf, everybody golf, Mario golf, you know, stuff you've done a hundred times is is in the game, but it's bringing back that fun silly whimsical rpg element that mario golf on the gpa did so well and i'm i don't know i would be further into it to be perfectly honest i was playing last night and i sat down to play as i was uh getting my pro controller synced up i checked twitter and that's when i saw what was happening in las vegas so i did it i ended up not playing any more golf story um so i'm, I'm maybe a couple hours a few three hours something that into the game but the sense of humor in this thing it's it's great. Like, I'm not laughing out loud. You know, it's, it's not uh, South Park or Last Week Tonight or anything like that that actually makes me laugh. But the writing is is dry and funny and sarcastic in all the right ways. And you're this <laughs> you're this kid, you know, who grew up now after a horrible goose accident. Minor spoilers for the very beginning of the game. Trying to prove to your family that you can be the greatest golfer ever. And all the characters in this club... Uh, or in this country club are just like jerks and <laughs> there's like parts you can't go to where like gangsters are running i forget is it the pro shop or it might be the the snack bar and you try to and they're like i want to go that way player and like they're that guys with chains on and no shirt hanging out at this country club you're trying to impress your coach who just doesn't care about you at all but is talking up all these other horrible players like we look at my swing coach and he's like, yeah, it looks crappy. You're never going to make it. <laughs> this other kid's like, well, watch me coach. And he like slices it just right into the water. And the coach is like, perfect. I can tell that you're going to be a big star one day. <laughs> and you're like, why doesn't the coach like my swing? I thought mine went right onto the fairway. <laughs> it's like fairways are for losers. Got to work on your swing. Uh, and just all of the unlocking as you power up your character and you get to play with outfits, which is silly, but you know, as Destiny and many other games a thousand times before have shown is is fun and keeps you coming back. Um, I'm really, I, really I saw enjoying a lot of people it. talk about this, and i really tempted to get it. I, there's so much awesome stuff to play right now, but I 
I think this game would be really fun. What I assumed it was was a role-playing game where golf is sort of the combat mechanic. Is that accurate? Uh, I mean, yes and no. You you challenge people, you know, to play them right. in golf, um, but it's not like oh, sometimes there is one hole, and sometimes the things are challenges within a setting of golf. It's like, can you drop the ball on this little platform or hit this button with this type of swing in this narrow window? But it's not you're not wandering around a, an overworld, and every time you talk to someone, it's I challenge you to this trick shot. Like you can play eighteen mm. holes and do that stuff. Um, it's very similar to the old Camelot. Mario Golf Game Boy Advance game in that that style, but there are a few interactions where it's like you know one quick shot kind of thing, but um, it's not it's not just fighting but using golf. Ah, I've heard so many people rave about this one. It, it definitely, I'm curious. There's just so much awesome stuff to play right now. Yeah. Um, but it is you know it is a game that has pixel graphics, and we got an email recently uh, at dlcfeedback at gmail dot com. This comes from Brad. He said, uh, this might be an unpopular opinion, but I'm beginning to get tired of pixel art games. I realize the many reasons developers go this route, but I just find myself turned off of this style. Do either of you guys agree with me, or do you see it as a nice, timeless art style? Love the show. Listen every week. Thanks, Brad. Uh, what do you think, Christian? Pixel art. Are you getting tired of it? Are you still loving it? What's your take? I'm still loving it, and I think it depends on the game, and there's good pixel art and bad pixel art, but I think Sonic Mania is just gorgeous, and just what what an incredible game. I think Golf Story is really well done, and it's pixel art presentation, it seems cheery. I mean, I think it's hard to say that pixel art is overdone and not fun anymore when you look at Hyperlight Drifter, and some of these games that use it so well. Like, of course, yeah. there's bad examples of it, and... Is it overused? I guess, but could I say that polygons are overused? Right? <laughs> like, I don't know. It's it's an art style that works really well for some games. In other games, it might have been better if they did something else. But I I look forward to seeing a lot more of this. You know, pseudo sixteen bit, but doing things that those consoles couldn't do. I mean, look at Guacamelee. Look at Shovel Knight. There are so many examples of these games that that are stunning. So I'm I'm all in favor. I think art direction is more important than graphic style per se we've definitely gotten to the era of art direction that's for sure uh, and i'll be talking a lot about art direction in a second but um i'm, I'm in agreement with you that it, it depends on the game right some some of the games with pixel art's like ugh, really it didn't need to it didn't need to feel like a throwback it, it just feels nostalgia for nostalgia's sake but i love the games that take pixel art and do something interesting with it, like like you're talking about, or like Dead Cells, for example, that came out this year that had some of the coolest pixel art I've ever seen, or um, a game I saw at PAX that I raved about. It hasn't come out yet, but it's called Children of Morta. Check out a video of Children of Morta and see what these guys are doing with pixel art. It's absolutely stunning. Um, so there, there are a lot of people. And, oh, Octopath Traveler. Now, that's a game that is taking a completely different approach to pixel art. We're mixing this cool tilt shift aesthetic and adding in, you know, HD CG kind of graphics as a layer that interacts with the pixel graphics. So I think there's a lot, as you said, of art direction that is still to be mined from this old school approach where people can find new ways or ways to feel, make it feel fresh and not just feel like a, a throwback. Yeah, I agree. Uh, all right. So on to uh, my second game. So 
30 some odd hours into Division, Divinity Original Sin 2, at least 10 hours into Battle Chasers Night War, and I put five into a game called Hob. Now, Hob comes from Runic Games. These are the guys that did Torchlight and Torchlight 2, which are games that I really, really loved. Uh, that was, th- those were like giving us the Diablo before they were making more Diablos. Um, and Hob is very special. I don't understand why more people aren't talking about this. The only explanation is there's so much great stuff coming out. I mean, here we are talking a a jam-packed playlist, and neither of us have played Cuphead, which is the game everybody seems to be talking about. But there's just no room to play Cuphead at this point. Well, and I watched a lot of uh, Spawn on Me's stream of Cuphead. uh, Yeah. When... Ugh, I can't. Uh, yeah, I don't I'm, think I plan. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, dude. I don't want to do that to myself. I, I, I'm, I have. I don't want to feel that way. <laughs> I have <laughs> kids. I can't have a heart attack while playing games. They need me. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, there's so much incredible stuff to play right now. So, I guess I understand why people aren't talking about Hob. But if Hob was was made by Nintendo, everyone would be raving about it. And if it came out at a different time when there aren't a billion games to play, everybody would be talking about Hob. It is. Very special. Very special. And first and foremost, I want to talk about the art direction of Hob because it's not like anything I've ever seen before. It is absolutely gorgeous. The aesthetic, the world that you're experiencing in Hob is – I described it on Newest, Latest, Best as um, if like a circuit board and a seed from a from a tree were fused in some – magical alchemical you know a wave of a wand and you just sprouted this natural world that comes from plants and vegetation but it was wrapped in an aesthetic that comes from like a circuit board that's the only way i can describe it because it's beautiful and lush and green but everything has a tinge of angularity to it 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 feels like it's mechanical and clockwork the whole world of hob is this wonderfully interconnected clockwork world where little switches have changed the environment in big ways unlocking things and rotating stuff and moving giant pillars into place that lock and and rotate oh it's so satisfying when you do it but let me back up this game is a top-down adventure it's Zelda is what it is. It's an old school Zelda, but it has its own life and own identity to it. But yeah, you're this little dude who is brought into the world and follows around this, um, this giant sort of mechanical golem that bestows you with a magical arm that lets you do certain things. And the more time you spend in the world, the more things your arm can do, the more areas you unlock in a very Metroid or Zelda way. You have a sword, you you can buy a shield, and you're attacking little creatures that wander around the world that are, you know, out to get you, and you are solving puzzles. The game does traversal in a way that Zelda never has. The traversal actually feels a little bit like Uncharted. Honestly, you're you're leaping from uh handhold to handhold, you're you're making giant leaps across chasms, you're doing all kinds of fun uncharted style stuff, but you're this little character in this top-down universe. It's gorgeous. The animation in this game is so detailed and so beautiful and elegant. But the joy of it is exploring. You are exploring this world 
so much of the game is you got to get over here. How do you do it? What, what do you need to do to get over there? What crazy puzzle do you have to solve? What weird way can you change the environment? What switch do you have to find to rotate things or create new pathways or, you know, move an entire section of the earth upside down or whatever? Is it finding the switch or putting it together like a puzzle after you found it or a little bit of both? More the first. It's it's finding the switch, finding how to get to the switch, figuring out what the switch does. Maybe there's a block that powers a thing and you have to slide that block into place to power the thing. Maybe there's a block that you can't figure out how to get to the place that powers the thing. So there's little puzzles that present themselves in the environment in a very Zelda way. You know how in Zelda dungeons you go in and you got to figure out how to get to the key or whatever. You know, there's a key sitting in that cage. How do you get to it? Very much that, but with its own aesthetic that is so, I find so satisfying when things lock and click into place or rotate or open up and reveal new energy sources and all kinds of cool, you know, steampunky, clockworky kinds of stuff. This game is amazing. It's amazing, and nobody's talking about it. I can't believe it. It's only 20 bucks. It's on PlayStation 4 and PC. I bought it. I'm so glad I did. I just bought it purely because I like Runic yeah. and have liked their games in the past. They always put out games that they support for a long time with a low price point. I don't know how long this game is going to be, but I've already put five hours into it. And for 20 bucks, it's, it's a no-brainer. It's spectacular. My youngest daughter hates it. I hear her screaming right now. <laughs> She's not happy about it. She doesn't like Hob one bit, Jeff. I don't know what you did to her or why you made her so upset, but she hates it. Well... Um, is it so I'm going to put you on the spot right now because you said it's not the end of the year, but you have five you could do in September. Yeah. Uh, Divinity, Hob, yeah, div- Battle yeah. Chasers, Night Wars. Our yeah. listeners can only buy one. They've liked the sound of all of them. While different games, they are kind of similar. Which one? Oh, you're killing me. You're killing me. I mean, I think Divinity – is the one that will be at the top of my list of those three. Um, it's just so much game for 40 bucks. And it is the kind of game that makes me fall in love with video games. Like it's, it's the closest to my heart, but you can't really go wrong with any of those three games. They're, they're different variations on a theme, but they're all unique and magical in their own ways. I, I mean, honestly, these three games along with SteamWorld Dig, and uh, SteamWorld Dig 2 and um, Destiny 2 could be my top five games of the year. And they all came out in September. Like, I, I can't Remember I can't when believe. we were certain Horizon Zero Dawn was going to be our game of the year? Yeah. We were I'm, so I'm, dumb. I'm we were so naive back then. I know. I'm struggling <laughs> with finding places for all these games that I raved about. I mean, I want to keep um, uh, what what became of, of Edith Finch um, at, on my list. But, like, it's getting eh. very difficult. Or what remains, excuse me, what remains of Edith Finch. Um, it's getting very difficult to figure out slots for everything. I, I mean, I'm just I really glad want... your prediction of a VR game getting it is now gone because there are too many <laughs> great non-VR games. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's insanity. Um, people in the, in the chat are like, have you tried Warhammer, Total War, Warhammer 2 yet? No! <laughs> did, you say, did you hear how many hours I put into those three games already? <laughs> and I'm still trying, I'm, I've completely given up keeping up my light level with you, Christian, because it's like, how do I even play Destiny 
Ah. Oh, I should mention, uh, it looks like I tried before I left and I realized it was a hard time of day. It was like 1030 in the morning. Who wants to raid in the clan? We couldn't quite get everybody together, but it looks like Friday. I'll be streaming it on my Twitch, which is twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer. It looks like Friday night. Anthony Taormina is going to get a couple of other Sherpas and they're going to carry me through it. Cause I just, I want to see the content. Uh, I'm not too concerned about experience, like figuring everything out for myself. So he's run it a few times, and Anthony said he's going to be able to get a, a group together for me. So right now it looks like Friday night Pacific time, hoping to uh, get through the raid finally. I think I'm 281, 282, something like that. I'll probably be maybe two, uh, 282, 285 when I do it after I do the milestones when they come out on Tuesday. But that's the that's the plan right now. Uh, slow-mo backslap in the chat says, have you tried Fortnite Battle Royale yet? Uh, with as much as you love PUBG, Christian, are you going to try Fortnite? Fortnite got a million players on day one trying their Battle Royale mode, which is completely free, by the way. Are you going to try it? Um, yes. Have I? No. Like, will I? I'm open to it. I haven't, and I don't know when I will. Like, that's that's the problem. I don't know when I will. I, uh, Cheapy and I still play PUBG pretty much every Thursday for a couple hours, and we stream it on his channel. Uh, I'm still loving Samus Returns. I haven't finished that golf story is huge um observer which is one of my favorite games of the year i think i have like 30 minutes left of that and i just haven't sat down at my pc to finish it i can't i can't see myself downloading and and jumping into fortnite's uh battle royale mode but it sounds great and i've heard people love it and the one selling point i heard for it is that it's a great entry point for younger kids you know maybe middle school to play this style of game if you don't want them getting headshots and playing PUBG, you can kind of experience the thrill of that 1v99 in a game that's a little more cartoony and not real-world war. I mean, you're still doing headshots in Fortnite, I hate to tell you. Well, right, but a different aesthetic, you're right. Yeah, it's a little cartoony, that's for sure. Um, So anything else on your playlist you wanted to bring up? I'll mention it quickly. I talked about it a few times on here. On a Roll, it's a rollerblading game in the vein of the Skate series. So there was a rollerblading game that came out that was like a Tony Hawk game called Aggressive Inline. It was a GameCube era. Great game. Loved it. Um, On a Roll, I backed. I think it's the only video game I've ever backed on Kickstarter. And with it, I got a copy. It's in early access right now on Steam. And that was like the reward level I, I backed on Kickstarter. Um, I watch videos of this game like people put out highlight clips and it looks awesome. I guess I'm stupid. I can't. I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I, I don't think there's a clear tutorial for what the buttons do. You read about it and it's like, it's, it's intuitive. You use the sticks to, you know, do moves as you would in the real world. I suck at it. I think it, it means that you are never a good rollerblader. That's what that means. <laughs> <laughs> I have VHS tapes that I edited between two different vhs players back in high school to prove otherwise mr jeff canada all right um i also have my age to prove that i edited on two vhs players. <laughs> <laughs> um so I, I think it's just me i don't know but i am having zero fun with the game i see other people's videos and them doing cool stuff and i wish i could do that cool stuff but i i've tr- jumped in a few times you know for an hour here or there and uh i i can't my play experience, I can't recommend it. Other people's videos look great, but I don't know how they're doing it. <laughs> well, fair enough. Um, so is it an avoid for you or you, you think it's a good game that you're just not good at or it's, it, it's for the way I've played it. It's an avoid. I, you know, it's early access. Maybe it'll shore up later, but I, you know, I don't regret spending the money, whatever it was, the 20 bucks to create a new help back and get a new inline skating game out into the world. But I'm, I doubt I'll play it again until it comes out in full release and see how it's changed. I know you have a million things to play 
and you got your SNES sitting there waiting for you to even play games you've already played. But I think you would love Hob. I really do. I think it's enough of a Christian game. I mean, you you like Zelda, you like traversal stuff. It, it, it I reminds even me of beat games. Zelda yet though, Jeff? Like... Neither have I. Neither have I. <laughs> I can't. But you know what? Honestly, and I don't know why this is. I think people are going to call this um, uh, blasphemy, but. I think I like Hob more than Breath of the Wild. Uh, it's it's got its hooks into me more than Breath of the Wild did, and I I don't know if that's just because Breath of the Wild is just so overwhelming, and that feeling of being on a hike and being aimless and just discovering stuff doesn't jive very well with my lifestyle anymore, and I it it doesn't feel like I'm progressing, and I don't have the luxury of just kind of spending hundreds of hours in the in the Zelda world just wandering around like a lot of people have described loving um Hob feels much more point to point and and progressive but ish, I know I feel bad saying that the thing that's crazy is we're going to do these top five lists at the end of the year and neither of us are going to have Zelda on the list and that's it, it's going to like piss off everyone uh don't say that okay don't say are you going to finish it between now and then I can't promise anything yeah no is the answer. You're acting no, like you're... Uh, Shadow of War, Gran Turismo Sport, and South Park aren't all coming out on the same week, followed by Super Mario Odyssey and Wolfenstein 2 the week after that. What do you mean yeah. you don't have time for things? Right. Yeah. It's it's too much good stuff, man. Speaking of too much good stuff, we have a sponsor that helps you experience more good stuff. Oh my goodness. If you want to play more games, we're just, we keep talking about how all these games are, are, are coming out throughout the end of the year, but Gamefly lets you play more games and save money. That's a pretty cool, cool proposition. Oh, I like a pretty no, ghoul. It's a pretty ghoul for October. For October. <laughs> we're in October now. Woo! It's a ghoul proposition. I should do all the ad reads as the, the crypt keeper. We're going to get... We're gonna get more. <laughs> it's a ghoul proposition. No. I think that uh, offended way more listeners than anything we've said at the top of any show ever. <laughs> uh, Gamefly. What is Gamefly? Gamefly is a subscription to games. It's a game rental service that lets you keep games as long as you want. There's never any late fees. There's never any uh, shipping costs. You could just. Play a game as long as you want. Send it back when you're done. They send you the next game on your list. It works great. Plus, they've got movies now. So if you want to rent movies for Gamefly, you can do that as well. They have over 9,000 titles to choose from. Christian, you use Gamefly. Tell the people. I pay for Gamefly with my own real-world money. I don't even use Loot Crate, you know, like coins that I unlock in-game to do it. And I've been I think you mean Loot Boots. Loot Boots, Loot Boots. I've been paying for Gamefly for years now, and it is literally how I get through every year with all of these amazing games that come out. I love it. I love it. Well, hopefully you guys will give it a shot. You can do so using a free premium 30-day trial simply because you listen to our show. We're going to hook you up. All you got to do is go to Gamefly.com slash DLC2. That's Gamefly.com slash DLC2, G-A-M-E-F-L-Y slash DLC2. And you'll get two games. That's the premium 30-day trial. Two games and or movies at a time. You can only get that offer through us, so go to Gamefly.com slash DLC2 and check it out. Play more games, save more money. All right, Christian, it's episode 200, so I'm getting some VR time. Virtual reality. VR. VR. 
Do you just not you just not into doing any VR stuff anymore, Christian? I I enjoy it. I just have too much to play that I'm really loving that's not VR. I I, I am vowing to finish I almost said a drift. Um Lone, Lone Echo, what's it called? That game mm-hmm. that I'm playing in VR. Yeah, Lone Echo. Yeah. Right. I'm gonna finish that before the end of the year. Um I just but there's so much else that's easier to play that that I'm loving. So mm. I haven't I haven't just strapped back in yet. Well, let me tell you about something that I played this weekend. Uh, it was a free beta over the weekend on Oculus. It's the new game from Gunfire Games. These are the guys that did Kronos, which was a Oculus launch title, uh, the sort of adventure role-playing game. Really, really great game, Kronos. Still one of the best games on Oculus, in my opinion. Um, but this is their follow-up to that. Not out yet. This was just a beta, free beta weekend that they put out to test it with the community. Uh, you only got a limited amount of time to play it, but oh my gosh, this game. It's called From Other Sons. And you know how uh, when I was playing uh, Star Trek Bridge Crew, which again, probably deserves to be on a list somewhere for best games of the year, but uh, I kept saying, and I think I said on the show to you, Man, it makes me wish that there was like a full-fledged Star Trek thing where I could like go on away missions and do all the other stuff in Star Trek as well. Guess what? That That's, game's never going to come out, right? No one's going to That game's make it. from other suns. That's the game. You are you have a ship, you have a crew, you wander around that ship in first-person view, you know, you it's all VR so you're, you know, it's it's a world that you're in. Wandering around your ship, you go to you you go to the bridge, you uh, track uh, you, you pull up your star map. You decide to jump to hyperspace to go to a, a space station out in the middle of nowhere. You get a distress call. You talk to them on communicator, and they tell you that there's bad stuff happening on their planet. You can shoot missiles and lasers from your spaceship the way you would in Star Trek over the screen, or and or you can walk. Down the hall, through the corridor, past the crew quarters, past engineering, past uh, the different areas of the of the bridge or of the of the ship. Go to the teleporter, lock on to the space station, stand in the teleporter. It teleports you to the space station. You pull out your gun from your hip. You wander through the ship and you shoot aliens and. Explore things, find key cards, open doors, repair things, hack systems, get their resources, transfer those resources to your ship, fly away. Oh, by the way, you can also play it in co-op with other players who can stay on your ship and man things or help you out in in real time in space. Dude. Oh, oh, and I forgot to mention, it's also FTL. Remember the game FTL? So while you're doing stuff, you can be getting attacked. You pull up your little tactical uh, map of the entire spaceship. It shows where all your NPC crew members are, and there are things happening, fires breaking out, aliens teleporting onto your ship. Uh, you have to assign them to fix things. You have to worry about their health. You're doing all of that real-time strategy FTL. I mean it's it's literally FTL, but – where you can wander around the ship because you can also just run down the hall and get into that hallway where your NPC you assigned to do a thing who's being attacked by an alien and you can pull out your blaster and blast the alien yourself. So 
it's a level of first person FTL, but also strategic FTL, but also Star Trek bridge crew, but also a first person shooter. It's awesome. It's a awesome. question. Is it one of these things of it's every type of game, but none of the games done well, or does all this stuff gel well together? Well, Right now, just as beta weekend, I would say the biggest flaw is the level of variety in the missions I didn't see, but there's a lot of the game that they weren't showing. So you could, you could make 10 jumps of hyperspace and you were trying to get, just like you are in FTL, you're trying to get back to Earth and you're being pursued by aliens. So, uh, there was a lot of the game that you weren't able to play and see and there's a lot of it uh, that is randomized there's a lot of procedurally generated stuff in from other suns that they're going to add in or that's already there but i may not have seen that is um uh, i think going to add more variety but i'm hoping that they really blow things out and make the game even bigger and more robust there's a big uh subreddit for for the beta weekend where the developers from gunfire were interacting with people people were making suggestions and i hope they take a lot of the suggestions and are able to incorporate them because um some people were describing that instead of flying east on the map toward earth like you're supposed to they just flew west into the aliens and they met this like incredibly powerful alien species that had even more powerful weapons than you can find by flying east so there's like lots of cool stuff to unpack there but I think the game overall could use a little more variety and and the ships could look a little more interesting. Allowing you to customize your stuff would be a lot more fun. But so far, the gunplay is fun. They do a lot of really interesting things with uh, how the guns work. You can you flick them to reload, but each one is, is has a finite amount of energy in it. And you have to put it into these wall-mounted uh, chargers to reload your gun. So you're constantly like trying to find those charges on the, the derelict spaceships that you're exploring and, and, you know, manage all that stuff. But you have an inventory system that works really well and you're able to hack things. It's a lot of really fun stuff to do. I just wish there was more of that. And I hope the game gets more robust before it's released, but very, very promising right now. It's called From Other Suns. Huh. Does it have a release window yet or anything? Have they talked about that? They have not. They said they're going to, you know, re- reveal that soon. I hope it stays and bakes a little longer because I think this game has huge potential, hmm. um, especially in co-op. I didn't get a chance to play with my friends yet, but I am very much looking forward to being part of a crew and wandering around and going, jumping on, deciding who's going to go down to the, you know, space station and go on the mission and who's going to stay on the ship and man things and, one of the things they have right now, which I think is a very controversial uh, feature, at least in the subreddit, is there's friendly fire. Mm. <laughs> so you you can actually accidentally blast your, your teammate, which is a little annoying. Uh, but the variety of weapons is cool. Uh, I, I looted a like a big rifle that shoots um, electricity out of it at one point um, from an alien. Um, and, and just like finding key cards and picking them up and using them on doors and going over and hacking and getting more resources and then using that re- those resources to enable farther jumps. All of that gameplay loop stuff, I think, is tried and true, right? It's very FTL, but done from a first-person perspective. And just being in that world in VR is awesome. One of the other things that I hope they change is the uh, – right now, if stuff breaks on your ship, you have a repair gun. So you literally just shoot at 
stuff to repair it. And I really hope that they take more advantage of VR and make the repairs more of its own sort of mini game where you're like physically manipulating things or, you know, flipping switches and moving stuff to try to fix things. Cause just pointing at it and shooting until it's fixed is a lot mm-hmm. less interesting, you know? Yeah. But it, it's very promising. It's called From Other Suns and it's from Gunfire Games. I'm, I'm stoked on this one. I also played uh, Doom VR, VFR, which which gave me a very positive. Uh, yeah, I think I got a chance to talk about it. I played it on uh, Vive at a Bethesda event, um, and it's really fun. <laughs> it's really fun. Uh, the the thing that they managed to figure out, which is is that like glory kill thing, you know, from Doom, which feels like it would be difficult to do in VR, but they've managed to figure out a way to like when you teleport onto the same space as something that is glowing, you know how they would glow mm-hmm. if you hit, took a certain amount of damage, uh, then you do the instant kill. And so it gets you to move around in the VR environment, I think, more than a lot of these similar uh, wave shooters. You get a lot of wave shooters in VR. And a lot of them you just stand in one place and blast everything. And I feel like incentivizing movement like they're doing in, in Doom is pretty smart and get you to you know use that much more effectively but the game looks great i mean staring at a demon up close in vr is pretty awesome well now that you know it like the engine or some form of it can scale to run on switch like it makes sense that they're able to run a competent vr version on a you know a vr powered pc right like apparently that game runs on everything i'll, I'll be playing it on my ti 83 calculator next year right yeah <laughs> like, yeah evidently yeah. uh do guys come from all angles are you circling <laughs> looking behind you or is it kind of like far point where that you know it feels immersive but for real they kind of keep funneling the you know the the fodder into your into your vision certainly felt like all angles yeah you're you're spinning around you're you're um teleporting around it's much more kinetic than uh far point was but they also weren't supporting the the smooth movement that Farpoint mm-hmm. that I played from Farpoint and by the way that I played um from other sons with which is I really appreciate them allowing the smooth movement for people that can handle it um but they do an interesting thing in Doom they give you like a um a dash so you can teleport and oh and also if you hold down the teleport button everything slows down so you can like go into slow mo at any point in Doom VFR which is useful for like figuring out if you want to do a glory kill or not, you know, cause stuff can get really chaotic and crazy. So I think that's a really big feature too. But this dash lets you dash in any direction and it's so brief and so quick that it doesn't, at least it didn't for me cause any nausea. Um, but it lets you kind of move quickly when the stuff is getting right up on you or something, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's like an don't have to worry or about something. It. Yeah. Yeah. Because with the, uh, the teleport, it's a very complicated process, right? To like pull up your little reticle and place it on the spot you want to teleport to. All of that takes some attention. And when you're trying to blast something that's running straight at you or from behind you or whatever, sometimes you just want to move quickly. And I think that they smartly added that feature in to allow for that. Does it, did they talk about, um, kind of the scale of the game? Is it the full game? Is it a few levels? And does it have a, a firm date yet? I thought it was this year, but that. It does have a firm date. I think it's December. Oh man. Okay. And it's yeah. PlayStation and every, it's kind of everything? Uh, no, they're not supporting any Oculus. Oh really? Nothing, nothing on Oculus. It's all, uh, Vive and PlayStation VR. Yeah. It's almost like there's like bad blood between those two companies or something. Almost. Yeah. <laughs> Weird. Um, yeah, uh, I think it's the whole game certainly seemed like that, but I don't know for sure. I don't know if, 
I mean, the level that I played at this event wasn't the beginning level. So right. I don't know if it's just, you know, greatest hits or moments that they thought would work best or, or what. I'm excited. I'm curious. I think I want to play it on PSVR because that headset is so much more comfortable. But I'm curious then if like enemies are coming from all around, how, you know, it loses you when you turn around. It's not a vibe, right? It doesn't have right. the full room. But uh, I've heard the game is phenomenal. Like everybody was hyped for Fallout and for Oblivion VR. And then apparently everybody that's played Doom VR is like, oh, no, 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 no. This is the Bethesda VR game to be excited about. That's exactly what I felt too. And I was I was a little disappointed by that. <laughs> because I want those big, big open worlds to be the the game, and I think actually I played Fallout Four VR again as well at this event, and I think that game is going to work really, really well. But Doom is the one that is you just get it right away, and I think that the thing that holds Fallout back is that it is porting a game that was never intended to be in VR to VR, so a lot of the controls just don't feel elegant like they do in something like from other sons or lone echo where it like the interface was built from the ground up to be VR in those games. And fallout is like, well, we can make this button do the thing that you could press on your controller or whatever. So as much as it's amazing to be inside the fallout world, it really is like you go, you wander down the street, and then you wander into a building and that just like feeling of being in 3D inside those places is incredible. And the, and how good VATS actually works in that environment is pretty neat too. But there were a lot of things that I could do easily on the PC or on the, my controller on, you know, a console that just felt a little clunky in the VR environment. Maybe that would smooth out as I got more used to it, spending many hours doing it, but uh, Doom is just immediately intuitive, and you get it right away in VR. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Christopher, I Christopher, whatever, in the chat is saying he thinks it's a standalone thing. I'll I'll dive in and look and be able to talk more intelligently about it next week. But I'll, that's I'm very excited for that. That might be the next thing that gets me to put a headset back on. He may be right. It may not be that Doom game at all. It may just be levels that they created for VR. But um, it's you know it's certainly using the assets of that game, which is why it felt familiar. All right, uh, we have a uh, Tabletop Times segment coming up for you. I did an interview, actually, with Ted Osbach from Bezier Games. These are the guys that do uh, One Night Ultimate Werewolf and uh, Suburbia and a lot of really cool board games. And he was kind enough to carve out some time to talk to me about uh, their new Kickstarter, which is Were Beasts, and really in general about what it's like um, having a company that does board games and the games that he's done. It's, I think, a really fascinating talk. He's an interesting guy. So I hope you guys stick around for that. That'll be at the end of the show. But right now, Christian, let's uh, let's wrap things up. Um, we do have our playlist coming out as well. So our parting not gift? our playlist. Excuse me. We do have our parting gift coming up. So stick around for that. Uh, Christian, tell people what you're doing this week, though. Uh, well, so Thursday, I think Cheapy and I will be playing PUBG. You can find that on his Twitch channel, which is Cheap Ass Gamer. And then Friday night, Pacific time, it looks like I'll be attempting my first Destiny 2 raid. You can find that on my Twitch, which is twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer. And I'm trying to think, I don't even know, uh, stand up wise, I'm not sure. But I will be helping people that are suffering from hurricane devastation across our country and other places and i encourage our listeners to do the same 
And you can follow me on Twitter at Spicer, S-P-I-C-E-R. Jeff, what about you? You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T. Uh, I hope you guys give my daily video game show a shot. If you haven't listened to it yet, I think you'll dig it. Uh, more news every single day. I get to talk about what's happening and get to talk about it in a little bit more granular way. It's only about 10 minutes an episode, 10 minutes a day. I think it'll keep you up to date. It's called Newest, Latest, Best, and you can find it on iTunes or Google Play Music or anywhere you download this show or other podcasts. Uh, you can also find it on Anchor, which is anchor.fm slash NLB. And I have a movie and television review show called the Slash Filmcast, which you can find at slashfilmcast.com. Got a review of, of Blade Runner 2049 coming up, which I've already seen. Can't talk about quite yet, but uh, yeah, you're going to want to hear that. And I do a comedy science show called We Have Concerns, which you can find at wehaveconcerns.com. All right, Christian, let's wrap things up and get Oh, no. Let's talk about our last sponsor first. How about that? Bombfell. Oh, Bombfell. Bombfell makes me a better looking guy. (laughs) Bombfell is a way to solve for the problem that I've had my whole life, which is a conundrum. I want to look better, but I hate shopping. (laughs) I want to be stylish but I have no style. <laughs> Bombfell fixes both of those things by giving you your own personal stylist. Oh man, that is so, I'm so grateful for that. I went over, I signed up for Bombfell. What happened? I filled out a quick questionnaire, which is my sizes for various things. And then sort of what I'm looking for, what my style kind of is right now, what kinds of clothes I tend to wear now and what I'd like to do to what would I like to sort of stay like that and just kind of reinforce that style or would I like to, you know, feel a little more upscale or get something that's better suited for a work environment? What kinds of things am I looking for? And then they match me up with a, uh, a personal stylist who reaches out and says, Hey, based on what you said and what you want to buy, which is like, I want to buy a long sleeve shirt or I want to buy a button up or I want to buy new pants. You can give them that information as well. Uh, this stylist was like, Hey, here's some suggestions. These are, I'll send these to you. Do you like those? And I could have said, eh, I don't really like those. Give me another idea, but I did like those. And so I said, do it thinking, oh, I don't know if these are actually going to fit me. I've never bought something like this online before they arrived. They fit better than my, any of my clothes in my closet that I actually tried on at the store. My wife was blown away by how well the pants fit now, if I have a big event, like I had this big interview uh, just recently, uh, I I wore my Bombfell outfit. The Bombfell designer's pick was, was like the best clothes that I own. It's the nicest looking outfit I've got. This can be you. <laughs> this can be you. You can look cool. You can avoid having to go to the store. You can avoid having to shop. And you can up your style, look awesome. I'm so glad I did it. And we're going to give you $25 off your first purchase at Bombfell by going to bombfell.com slash DLC. That's B-O-M-B-F-E-L-L dot com slash DLC. Check it out. You don't, you don't, you're not obligated to buy anything. You can start the interaction there with your stylist, see what they suggest. And if you don't like it, you don't have to buy anything. You don't have to buy anything you don't want to buy. 
it's pretty cool the way it works. It, they just sh- suggest cool clothes and you go, oh yeah, that, that sounds great. If it doesn't fit, you can send it back. It's all so simple and so easy. You never have to leave your house. dot com slash DLC. Hey, give us a suggestion of what to do this week. Give us a parting gift. This is your parting gift. Christian, you got a parting gift to help people get through their week? I do. It's more the the thing that I'm going to say I haven't seen yet, but the parting gift is doing something that someone else is excited about with them. And so I'm going to whisper like they can hear me even though they can't. Uh, this weekend, we're going to take our daughters, my wife and I, to go see the My Little Pony movie in theaters. Oh. Friendship is Magic. They love that show. Yeah, they have t-shirts. They love it on Netflix. Uh, I'm sure the movie won't be great. We listen to the soundtrack a whole bunch, and it's not that great of a, like compared to like a Disney musical soundtrack, but... I love the cartoon. I think it's really smart and funny and, you know, appeals to all ages. So I'm really excited to take them. And it's going to be a surprise. We're just going to show up. They're not going to know what we're doing. And then we're going to have their My Little Pony shirts packed to be like, ha, ha, ha. And uh, so the parting gift is more <laughs> That's in- cool. invest in something else that someone else might like doing. You always get questions like, how do I get my girlfriend? How do I get my boyfriend into gaming? We'll start by doing something they like doing, right? Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to do that with our kids this weekend and go see My Little Pony, the movie. No. Tell me how that is. I'm yeah, not going to. Sure. Yeah. Surprisingly, we're not going to review that on the Slash Filmcast. Did so. you guys do Ninjago? No. Yeah, I didn't like it. Not good? Uh, by, by far the worst of those films. Well, the other two are so good. They're so good. Batman is really good, and Lego movies like was my favorite movie that year. Yeah. It was really good. So good, yeah. Uh, we got a listener that sent in a parting gift, which you can do by sending it to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Uh, this one comes – oh, my goodness. Did I not write down his name? It comes from John Peterson who sends us uh, this um, parting gift. He says, recently I discovered an artist who goes to several nerd-type cons through the year, and I love his stuff. After chatting with him, it turns out that he has been creating a board game for the past few years, and he invited me to play it. My 10-year-old and I had an absolute blast, and I wanted to recommend it. It's called Quest Forged Arena. The art is amazing, and we left the playtest wanting to play more. It goes up on Kickstarter very soon, and it's worth a look. It's a MOBA-style board game where you build a team and square off against another player. Simple, yet so fun and well thought out. Check it out. So again, that's called Quest Forged Arena. I did a quick search. The art does look really, really cool. So I'll have to check this one out a little deeper. But uh, thanks for the suggestion, John. I appreciate that. My parting gift is uh, a TV show that has recently come back on FX. Uh, three episodes into season two. I don't know. Did you ever watch Better Things, Christian? It's Pamela Adlon's uh, no. show. She teamed up with uh, Louis C.K., uh, oh, yeah, Louis, yeah. No, I did not. Uh, it's basically Louie, but from a female perspective. And it's wonderful. It's so good, man. I think the second season is way better than the first, and I liked the first. But the second season has just dug into vulnerability and life as a single mom. It, it is – it's a beautiful, beautiful show. Uh, and the third episode, which we watched last night – Guest starred Henry Thomas. Remember Henry Thomas? No. Elliot from E.T. No. <laughs> he was Elliot. He was Elliot all grows up. He's all grows up. Um, 
Elliot from ET, man. It's crazy to see him as like a 40 something guy, but, um, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful show. It, she's so willing to put herself in unflattering situations to get at the truth of a moment. I just, I really dig it. So it's called better things. It's on FX. You can find it online on FX now, which is how we watch it. So I hope you check it out. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC, the 200th. I do still have that interview with Ted Alsbach coming up. So stick tuned for that. But uh, Christian Spicer, thank you so much, man. 200 episodes. We did it. They, well, I'm I'm very proud of this show. And I know that there are a lot of video game shows out there that people can listen to. and uh, But I appreciate them listening to ours. And I'm very proud of kind of the little corner we've carved out of it. And uh, I think this show is is very unique and original. And I, and I love what we bring to the genre. I agree. I am also proud. Um, uh, here's to 200 more. And uh, I appreciate all of you guys that have stuck with us. Those of you who have been around since the first episode. Those of us that are just new to uh, hanging out. Uh, I appreciate all of you giving us your time. And uh, as I said at the beginning, I love this community. I love the people that listen. Um, we got a, a, you know, a couple of really nasty uh, iTunes reviews based on, uh, you know, less than a minute of discussion at the beginning of last week's episode. And in response, many of you went and gave us great reviews on iTunes as well. And I just, that just shows, uh, how cool people are and how great a community we have of support and positivity. And I, I really appreciate all of you that have listened, uh, to the show. It, it means a lot to us. Um, we hope to continue it for a long, long time. So here's, here's to 200 more. And, uh, We'll see you next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place. Right now, right now. I'm joined now by Ted Alsbach, the owner and president of Bezier Games. Welcome to the show, Ted. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me here, Jeff. Yeah, my pleasure. I'm a big fan of your games, particularly the One Night Ultimate series. Um, and One Night Ultimate Werewolf is a big hit at uh, all of my parties. But now you have a new wear-based game. <laughs> you, you are diversifying your wear portfolio, it seems. <laughs> or focusing more on the wear type of games in, in, in some ways. You could think of it that way, too. Doubling down on wear. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, there's a, a Kickstarter that's going now for uh, your newest game called Wear Beasts. And uh, this is still in the sort of um, party game slash uh, hidden role um, social deduction genre, but it, it works a lot different than any of your other games. Tell me about Werebeasts. Yeah, so Werebeasts is it's it's kind of a light social deduction game if if there is such a thing. Um people didn't think one one night they thought that was too heavy. Uh in in Werebeasts, each player has two different Werebeast goals. So they're trying to collect two different types of Werebeasts out of a total of anywhere between five and ten different Werebeasts that might be out there. And that depends on player count. And those are secret goals. But the interesting thing about their goals is that they share uh, each of their goals with one other player. So there's little goal cards that are placed between players that have a werebeast on them. So the player to your right shares a werebeast goal with you, and the player to your left shares a werebeast goal with you. And uh, you're trying to collect werebeasts that are your goals, 
uh, the two different goals that you have. You're trying to collect them, but not be too obvious about it because if people can figure out what you're collecting, they can basically eliminate you and take all of the wear piece you've collected or possibly even your wear chow, which is the resource you're using to basically snare these wear beasts and add them to your collection. So you're setting out were chow and you are enticing creatures like uh, werewolf, but also were kitten is in there, were banana, right? Yeah, uh, you know, we've got a whole bunch of weird were beasts, um, and we haven't really had a lot of fun with it. There's, uh, you know, some people are saying now that their favorite is the warehouse, which is kind of silly. Uh, so it's a big house. That's a were thing, but of course it has a double meaning, which is it's a lot of fun. Uh, there's a werebago, which is a, you know, Winnebago that somehow is part part where uh winnebago part man <laughs> and of course ferocious beast 100 percent ferocious beast uh, and you know the 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 individual characters they don't or the roles they don't really have anything any particular um special capabilities each of them but they're a lot of fun and uh it's it's always fun to turn over a card and go okay there's a where clown up for auction who wants a where clown <laughs> and, and uh, the art is phenomenal on the cards man just looking over some of the Art it is really beautiful, high quality stuff. I love the artist uh, Victor Corbell. He's done art for a lot of other games, and uh, he's just really, really talented. And he's got a lot of personality with each of these with uh, each of the wear piece. Yeah, um, it's a it's not an easy thing to make a game that plays well up to ten players and also can play in fifteen minutes. That's a that's a, a very useful slot in my gaming collection, and it's it's not an easy thing to pull off. Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's, it's kind of fun. Uh, a lot of our werewolf type games and were related games, uh, werewords also has that ability to go to kind of scale up really nicely. Um, and you know, there's, there's only so many games that you can go above really six, sometimes seven players and you kind of cap out at seven and that's just a few games like seven wonders and things like that that'll actually play well at that, that player count. So uh, I'm really happy to be able to offer a bunch of games that actually work in those upper player counts. And then they also scale down to, you know, three or four players too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd like to back up a little bit and talk about Bezier as a company because you guys, you, you seem to have, um, carved out a, a wonderful little niche for, for these kinds of things, but you also have, you know, the, the heavier strategic games in your library as well. Uh, what, what, how do you, decide where you're going next with the company and where do you see your company fitting in into the grand spectrum of, of board gaming companies? Yeah. So, uh, you know, right now, the last several years, we've kind of focused on two different areas. Uh, one is the, the werewolf slash social deduction side where we have uh, the original ultimate werewolf game, you know, which is the big giant party game that, that plays dozens and dozens of people at a time. And of course the one night ultimate werewolf series uh, with daybreak and vampire and alien and other titles that will be coming soon. And uh, Werewords is, is in that, and the new Werebeast game are in that small area. And then our our larger strategic games, uh, things like Suburbia and Castles of Mad King Ludwig, and uh, this year releasing a, a follow-up to Castles called Palace of Mad King Ludwig. And we kind of have those two different areas that we've been focusing on. Um, and, uh, you know, that's been pretty successful for us. Uh, the strategy games have done really, really well. Uh, certainly, you know, places like Board Game Geek, they really appreciate that kind of a heavier, uh, even a Castles and Surrey aren't really that heavy. They're heavier games. They're more strategy-based, um, kind of more meaty games. And uh, you know, a lot of the casual game players really appreciate us you know, having those social deduction games that they can play with pretty much anyone, gamers and non-gamers alike. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, some of my favorite games, Suburbia and Castles, is, uh, you know, they're, they're some of my most played games. I really enjoy those. Um, but you started Bezier because you were a, a game designer yourself and you wanted to publish your own your own games. 
how what has it been like seeing the company grow and and publish other people's games and and describe to me what that process has been like oh it's it's fantastic you know originally and there was i never wanted to publish games that was never that was never on the roadmap uh you know 10 years ago when i started the company i started it mainly because uh you know i published or a few of my games have been published by other publishers and they didn't turn out exactly as i had hoped um you know the development kind of wasn't didn't go in the direction I was hoping for, and they didn't turn out to be terrible games. They just kind of weren't the same way that that I would have published them had I been publishing them. And so that thought right there, like, well, gee, why don't I just publish them? I had a graphic design background and enough to be able to, you know, uh, to be able to do some basic kind of just one level better than print and play um, in publishing at that point. <laughs> yeah. And and that turned out really well with the first uh, Ultimate uh, Werewolf game and a few other games. And so then I began to actually get them produced professionally. And, uh, you know, it's grown phenomenally and I'm, you know, I am very, very fortunate. Uh, I, I love, I love doing this. I love, um, publishing games. I love designing games and to be able to do this for a living is just one of the most awesome things ever. So I absolutely love the industry. I love playing other play- players games. So, you know, it's, it's awesome. Um, I'm super, super happy with where we are right now. Yeah. Uh, and I think maybe it's possible. I, you know, I have a, a general audience that comes to this show often for video game coverage. And I, I think a lot of people don't really understand the board game industry quite as, as deeply and don't know that it is, it really is a, a small world, right? That it is guys like yourself or guys and gals like yourself who have, uh, started their own companies and, and oftentimes these are very small operations from a, a manpower kind of perspective. And you guys all interact with each other at conventions and I mean, it is really a community, right? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I have, I have a number of good friends that, you know, technically they're competitors. Yeah. There's, there's, uh, folks that run, uh, Indie Boards and Cards is a great example. Uh, it's, it's yeah. run by, uh, Travis out in California where we used to be. And, uh, he was a friend of mine and, um, you know, he produces a game that's really a, one of the direct competitors to the one night series and ultimate world called the resistance. Um, if people have played that's another social deduction game. It's really, really good. I really enjoy the game. And also another game he has called coup, which is, it, it's also another competitor at the same time. You know, we, you know, we're friends. He actually published, uh, one of my games, um, in, in, for his company called one night revolution, which is a kind of a, a combination of resistance and one night. He did that a few years ago. And it's really nice because, you know, we'll hang out at conventions and just talk about business and talk about other things. And, you know, it's, you know, there's definitely the, the thing that, yeah, I know that theoretically he's a competitor, but at the same time, you know, it's a, such a small business and we're, you're both trying to make the board game industry grow as much as possible and reach those video gamers and, and non-gamers 